वेलकम टू हॉप रेडियो एंड एनडीटीवी हॉप लाइफ प्रोडक्शन वेलकम टू कॉम्बैटिंग कोरोना वायरस द पॉडकास्ट वेयर वी टॉक अबाउट द ग्लोबल स्ट्रगल अगेंस्ट कोविड-19 ऑन टुडेस एपिसोड हाउ अ रेफ्यूजी कैंप इन बांग्लादेश इज डीलिंग विद द थ्रेट ऑफ कोविड-19 I'm Deepak Maggi and I'm Priyanka Pant. Let's talk numbers first. There's right. about 70 million forcibly displaced people across the world. Yeah. That's according to UNHCR, which is the United Nations Refugee Agency. Right. Now, of these specifically, there's 25 million refugees. Right. And you know, we're going to talk about Bangladesh today specifically and Cox's Bazar is home to one of the world's largest and most densely populated refugee camps. Right. So there's a camp in Cox's Bazar for the Rohingya people who were forced out of Myanmar and nearly 600,000 Rohingya people live in that camp. It's one of the world's biggest and most densely populated refugee camps. It has a population density that is one and a half times higher than New York City, right? And we've seen what the coronavirus has done to New York City. Absolutely devastated the city. So one can only imagine how terrifying it would be if the virus ends up in this refugee camp. So far it hasn't. There's been no positive reports of right. COVID-19 from the Rohingya camp. However, Bangladesh as of right. recording this has over 12,000 confirmed cases of the coronavirus. Right. The one caveat with this being that of course uh, testing rates are very low. Yes. So uh, experts are saying okay, we cannot say for sure that there is no case but none have been reported so far. Right. So the UNHCR spoke to Saidul Haq who was born in Cox's Bazar which is the larger district that the camp is in and he is now a freelance journalist. As a side note, he co-founded Rohingya Film School which teaches Rohingya migrants filmmaking skills which I thought was really cool. Wow. But they spoke to him and he said that you know there are many aspects of daily life in Cox's Bazar which are incompatible with the common advice given to stay off covid-19. The first being that the people who live there need to go buy things every day because their existence is hand to mouth. Mm. They often do not have enough money to go buy food so that they can store it for a while. So the idea that you you know buy enough food for a week and then store that and only go out to the market not much doesn't fly very far. He says that we really need to go out to the market every day and it's going to be a huge problem if we can't. He also goes on to say that social distancing as we understand it is really not possible in a refugee camp. So seven members of his family live in a 8 by 10 room. just one room and he says wow. where will we go like how do you social distance from six other people in one room that size right you can't do it right he also says that washing hands is of course been one of the primary pieces of advice that wash your hands regularly he says that there isn't enough water for their daily needs to begin with right so they don't have enough toilets they don't have enough facilities to wash and they don't have enough water to do any of these things with exactly but of course one of the biggest problems is the internet so bangladesh has actually cut off the internet in cox's bazar sometime ago so people who live there can no longer access the web now hux says that this is a huge problem because now there is no way to quickly transmit information and as with covid-19 as i'm sure we are all too aware if we are on any family whatsapp groups misinformation about covid-19 is very quick to spread and that's true both offline and online so he says that you know there are many rumors floating around in the camps that are not true and there's really no way to get official correct information to people to dispel these rumors without the internet and he has been trying he and his team have been trying to get proper info out but he's saying that without internet access it's close to impossible 
So people who could traditionally go into camps and raise awareness mm. about the virus would have been you know, healthcare workers right. or aid workers from, you know, large either UN affiliated right. organizations or other NGOs, local NGOs. Talking to Huffington Post, Oxfam's country director in Bangladesh said that while its aid workers are going into mm. camps still, they simply cannot serve refugees mm. they used to. He was talking about how, you know, at one point they would send in 100 aid workers and now they're only sending in 10 to 15. You know, partly that's because they want to try and reduce the number of people coming in right. from the outside. The worry being that these people themselves could introduce the virus right. into the camp. So there's a little bit of that. There's also worries of, you know, people that aren't providing, quote unquote, essential services. So if they're not providing food, if they're not providing medical supplies, those people are also being stopped from going in so that you know there can be some sort of social distancing being right. practiced. But of course, the flip side of that is you know, you're not getting any credible information from people. You're not getting credible information from, mm. from aid workers. How do you prepare yourself, you know, to keep yourself safe against mm. COVID-19 if you are not equipped with the knowledge with, you know, what it is, how to deal with it, how to keep yourself safe? And of course, healthcare systems are fragile. And, you know, this is a problem around the world where the doctors just don't have enough PPE kits. This is also true for Cox's Bazaar, where there are not enough PPE kits, there are not enough medicines. There are very few tests to go around. So even the healthcare workers that do manage to get in don't have a very good handle on what the situation inside the camp is just because of lack of resources. Right. And one of the worries also is that, you know, if the already overburdened sort of healthcare facilities are overwhelmed with cases mm. of COVID-19 when it does erupt mm. in refugee camps, what happens to people who have other diseases such mm. as malaria, right? Those deaths might see a spike as well because those people just won't get a chance to be seen by doctors. Right. The other worry, of course, is people who live in these camps are already vulnerable to the coronavirus. So many, many people already have comorbidities. You know, they may be malnourished. They may have other existing conditions that make them more susceptible mm. to COVID-19. So there is a worry that, you know, these vulnerable populations are made even more vulnerable because of their health conditions. Right. And another big worry is, in fact, the weather. Because the UNSCR has warned that, you know, if the country is not prepared for the monsoon season, which comes around mid-June and brings with it cyclones, consequences could be disastrous because the area is prone to landslides, it's prone to flash flooding and delivery of supplies which are already very critical would be severely delayed, might even be stopped. You know, it's interesting that you talk about monsoon season because I was reading in the news that so there's actually boats of Rohingya people that are stranded mm. at sea because they've been trying to sort of find settlement and refuge in countries like Malaysia, Indonesia. They were turned away by Malaysia. Right. So there's about three boats full of about at least 100 refugees each, which are stranded somewhere, you know, in the Bay of Bengal, according to Amnesty International. The worrying thing is that Amnesty International has actually lost track of these boats. So we don't even know what condition these people are in. A separate boat of about 30 people was brought back to Bangladesh. And rather than being allowed back onto the mainland, what they've done, what the Bangladeshi government has done is they're being sent to an uninhibited island, which is low lying and according to the United Nations, tends to become submerged during the monsoon right. season, which is terrifying, right. right? Imagine having a group of people stranded on an island, which is prone right. to flooding. I mean, then there's literally nobody looking out for them. I think this is a good example of how COVID-19 can really affect refugee populations across the world. Of course, we see an example of it here in Bangladesh. But COVID-19 seems to have raised fears that, you know, displaced populations are somehow mass spreaders of the disease. And these fears 
fears, according to most official statements, have been unfounded. So, speaking to Huffington Post, the banker that the who's Oxfam's country director in Bangladesh, he said that in his experience, he's found refugees far more responsible than the average right. citizen, in that they, you know, they listen to what needs to be done and they often follow through with what needs to be done. And with that, I think it is high time for some good news in this episode. And in today's edition of Good News, we have for you eels, right, Priyanka? <laughs> That's right. So, in Japan, an aquarium has asked people to FaceTime in and talk to the eels. Yes, you heard that right. <laughs> but why is that? So the aquarium has been closed since March and its garden eels only now see keepers that are, you know, walking around. Mm-hmm. And so they would typically see, you know, visitors walking up and down and they'd sort of gotten used to that experience. Now what happens is anytime that they see a human, mm-hmm. they bury themselves quickly in the sand and the aquarium says that that makes it much harder for the staff to monitor the eel's health. Right. And so they're putting on a face showing festival for the eels so that humans can call in and eels can have a much closer look at humans <laughs> and hopefully learn to live with them in peaceful coexistence once again. So it seems like eels are also now working from home. <laughs> and with that, it's a wrap on combating coronavirus. This has been Priyanka Pant and Deepit Maggie. Stay home, stay safe. <laughs>